0: the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com. Here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider
1: Podcast. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the uh, Texas Tech Sports Podcast brought to you by the Avalanche Journal. Don Williams, AJ Media, Texas Tech football beat writer. Alongside me is A.J. Media Sports Editor Carlos Silva, Jr., as always. Uh, we sit here going into uh, the 10th game of the season for Texas Tech. Uh, Tech hosting TCU at home, 11 a.m. Saturday at Jones AT&T Stadium. Carlos, both teams in the same boat. Both teams, identical records, 4-5 and five for the season, 2-4 and four in Big 12 conference play. And so, really, second week in a row, we're kind of talking about the same thing. Uh, both teams, Texas Tech football game where both teams are scratching, claw, and fighting like crazy to get bowl eligible. Well, not only that, but then obviously at
0: this point, both tied for seventh in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, obviously, the t- conference title game is probably not in the picture anymore, but as you kind of mentioned, Don, both teams looking for bowl eligibility. Texas Tech now, at least in a deeper conversation about that after beating West Virginia. I guess, what, what did you kind of see from that game to where... Uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about it where Texas Tech got ahead because of their offense, kind of clicking on all cylinders, five straight possessions, five touchdowns. But I guess what really kind of allowed them to, to get that victory against West Virginia, really a bugaboo team the last couple seasons.
1: In the last five, actually. They had lost five in a row yeah. to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a combination. They played well on both sides of the football. You mentioned uh, offense uh, takes it first five possessions, scores five touchdowns, and defense – Defense gave up yards uh, Saturday at West Virginia, but uh, they were really uh, strong in the red zone. Um, there were six separate series in that game in which West Virginia had the football inside the Tech 30-yard line, and out of those six series came away with only a field goal total. There were five instances where the defense didn't give it, give up any points. They had a uh, three turnovers on downs, deep in Tech territory, uh, had Demarcus Fields interception in the end zone, yep. and then you had another play that would have been a turn, turnover on downs. A fourth down when uh, Tech knocks the, fourth and long when Tech knocks the ball loose and comes up with a fumble, and mm-hmm. so that made it uh, that made the, you know final statistics look kind of odd because West Virginia had five hundred some odd yards and actually outgained Texas Tech, but it was never really a, a football game because. Uh, because Red Raiders scored touchdowns every chance they got in the first half, and uh, West Virginia and the defense kept West Virginia from cashing in on its, all that yardage that it had. Yeah, so I guess obviously some good things for
0: Texas Tech, but now they're going to play another team. Uh, I, I don't know if the word is offensively inept. I think they're just kind of up and down at this point because they've got a freshman quarterback, Max Duggar. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the questions that people are asking about TCU. But when I see TCU, Don, at least a couple times I watched them on – TV when they do play some of the ranked teams or just when I'm watching Fox Sports Southwest randomly. uh, The one thing you see out of Max Duggar, if you make him try and beat you, you have a pretty good chance of uh, getting some uh, interceptions, just trying to get him into a rhythm. If you're not allowing that, then that's a good thing for Texas Tech. Um, But they have a real good run game, and I think that's what's going to be the the big thing for Texas Tech for the second straight week, if you really want to look at it, that's what Texas Tech was trying to do with West Virginia, and then uh, obviously the Horned Frogs. They got a couple good backs, but uh, if if you're able to shut them down, Max Duggar is not going to do too much for you.
1: Well, I, I think I think this game for me has a lot of similarities to the Oklahoma State game last <laughs> month when Oklahoma State came in here and uh, everybody thought I thought yep. it was a bad matchup for Texas Tech, uh, but the Red Raiders wound up playing well early and then blowing them out. And here's what's similar about it. Um, both both of these teams have freshman quarterbacks. Spencer Sanders, at the time he came in here, was looking pretty good. Yeah. You can see the talent. And then he comes to Jones uh, Stadium, and he throws three interceptions and loses two fumbles. Max Duggan is looking pretty good. You can see the talent. But uh, the last uh, two weeks, he has thrown three interceptions mm-hmm. in both games. He threw three interceptions in the lost Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. And he threw three interceptions last week against Baylor. So, yes, and and he had one uh, against Texas the week before that. And so, if the defense can – if Keith Patterson can put together a scheme and the defense can do to Max Duggan what they did to Spencer Sanders, then that could be a big – I think that's going to be a real key point to watch in this game. Now – the flip side to that, and you talked and you mentioned it. TCU was an effective running game. Yep. And guess who's guess who is one of the guess who's a big weapon in the run game? That's Max Duggan. Yep. Who uh last month in, in Big Twelve play against good Big Twelve teams, mm-hmm. he has a game where he's rushed for a hundred over a hundred yards. He has a game Kansas where he's rushed State. for over eighty yards. Mm-hmm. He has a game where he's rushed for over seventy yards. Yep. So he's not. I, I haven't watched a whole lot of TCU, so I'm not sure exactly how how uh, he is accomplishing that, yeah. but it's pretty clear he's a, he's a threat to run the football. So
0: is Darius Anderson in Siwo Olo Nilo? Yeah,
1: take a, take a crack at that one. <laughs> he's Siwo Olo Siwo, Siwo has been around his entire career. That this has. is the last week we'll have to know how to pronounce his name. Or say it. Or say it. Yeah. Uh, he's a senior. Siwo yep. Olo Nilua. Six three two hundred and forty pounds See, You said you got, a lot better than I did. You got him and Darius Anderson. Yes. Darius Anderson's numbers are pretty similar to Sir Roderick Thompson's from mm-hmm. Texas Tech. And Ola Nulua is a, is a big C-Woe. back. We'll just call him C-WO. He's a big back. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, so I guess uh, j- just on that, Don, before we get to the questions, uh, I know you talked a little bit about it. Obviously, the run game, I feel like if you slow that down, you kind of make Max Duggan. I apologize. I said Duggar. I was thinking of Robert Duggar at Texas Tech Baseball. A lot of names in my head, but. Uh, If you take care of those two, I think you're going to make them one-dimensional, which is something. And uh, it seems like your buddy – oh, man, I'm trying to think of his name right. Oh, Sonny Cumbie getting yelled at a little bit by uh, Gary Patterson. We'll we'll see if that happens again after this game because I don't know what it is, but Gary Patterson just – the offense just ain't working, and he just seems to put uh, Mr. Cumbie out in front of everyone after that.
1: Yeah, and he was asked about it this week at his Mm -hmm. press conference and and talking about changes and, you know – I think a lot of people expect that Sonny's on the hot seat and that he's going to be pushed out at TCU when the season's over. Now, Gary Patterson, this weekend's press conference, said, um, one, he said he thinks it's unfair to make changes, talk about making changes while you're still in the middle of the season because he said we're, we're trying to win football games right now. And, um, Tell
0: that to Florida th- State, I guess. Things
1: like that are <laughs> to be decided when the year's over. Yeah. And he also, Gary Patterson also said that he compared it to a divorce. He said if you're going to, uh, you know, p- people who are divorced and and remarry, how many of them wound up in a better situation the second time around than the first time? And he also well, said that. interesting little quote. He also said that uh, if you're. If you're going to make a change, so you better make sure everything is lined up correctly. Yeah. Uh, or it could be kind of a be careful what you ask for situation. So he didn't completely stand up and defend Sonny Cumbie, but he didn't really throw him under the bus this week either, I thought. Yeah. Which
0: is interesting. Uh, obviously, the one elephant in the room, Jalen Rager, pretty good. Um, was obviously a Texas Tech uh, target at one point, Monte Rager. Everyone knows him that's obviously covered Texas Tech or been a fan of Texas Tech. He's their top receiver with only four touchdowns uh, this year, 462 yards. But as we kind of get through that, Don, uh, unless you got some final thoughts on TCU, just kind of wanted to go through the injury update just for people, and then we'll go into questions. Yeah, you
1: you touched on Rager, and I might add that uh, I think maybe that's another symptom that TCU's offense is not as effective as it, would should be, could be, would like to be, and another maybe reflection on playing a freshman quarterback and, yeah. having, and having some young players at other positions. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jalen Rager is a guy who I think a lot of people feel like could be a first-round draft choice. Yeah. I was looking last night at Mel Kuyper's uh, position-by-position rankings for the draft in 2020. He has Jalen Rager ranked as the number five wide receiver, I believe. Mm, that's fair. But Jalen has... Uh, caught touchdown passes in only three games this year. He's not caught a touchdown pass in six of the nine games and yeah. as you said, still under five hundred yards receiving. But he has caught a touchdown pass against Texas Tech each of the last two years and he is a guy who's he's dangerous. I uh, mean, he's
0: he's played really well against Tech for obvious reasons. He's
1: played well against <laughs> Tech and I think it's scary when you consider how many big plays Tech has given up in the passing game, especially lately. We talked about it wrote about this week. Um uh, Tech is is last or tied for last in the FBS in pass plays allowed of 30 or more yards, 40 or more yards, 60 or more yards, and 70 or more yards. And I think it's maybe illustrated best. You're looking at 40 yards-plus passes allowed category. Tech is allowed 18, and 10 of those have come in the last three games against yep. uh, Iowa State and Kansas and West Virginia. Um, and so you combine that with Jalen Rager, accomplished speed receiver, and Jalen hasn't hasn't had a great year this year. He's but had some it's, interesting it's, uh, receiving
0: yards to end the end the game with two yards, fifteen yards, eight yards against Baylor. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been, I mean, kind of milk carton type guy for a couple of those games, man.
1: You're right. You're right. I mean, but then again, Tech has made a lot. Oh, yeah. of, tech's yeah, made a lot of yeah. milk carton guys look yeah. uh, look like All Americans. So, yeah. so I think uh, they're holding their breath until. Uh, until after Saturday on Taylor record. Well, for some people that are holding their
0: breath about some of the injuries, uh, Sir Roderick Thompson obviously in the news just because of the injury he got against West Virginia. What's his status? And I guess if there's anyone else you can kind of update us on.
1: Uh, I think. Well, here's the, here's the thing with Sir Roderick Thompson, uh, and Matt Wills on Monday listed him as question what questionable to doubtful. He mm-hmm. did say he did say he looked better coming out of the yep. game than he than he thought he would, like mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yeah thought better than they initially thought, so he's hopeful this week. But, you know, the thing about it is even if Sir Roderick Thompson plays, you have to feel like, based on that, it's going to be at quite a bit less than 100%. And that is not good when you're playing TCU's defense, which is famously – athletic, and well-coached. They will doesn't stop the run. <laughs> it, they, they've really stopped everything. Yeah. I mean, you looked at the, your, their total defense. It's amazing mm. that they're four and five right now. because yeah. In the Big 12, total defense, rushing defense, passing defense, they're all their first or second and yeah, every, five, in every t- one of top those. Top five
0: defense. So,
1: so even if Sir Rod- even if Sir Roderick Thompson plays, I think it's, uh, it's not good to have Sir Roderick Thompson on a bad wheel against TCU's defense this week. And so I expect to see – a good bit of Tayshawn Henry. Tejon had 22 carries last week. He didn't rush for very impressive yards per carry total, but, you know, the two games before that, we've talked about it uh, – Kansas, Iowa State game, Kansas game, he had six carries of nine yards mm-hmm. or more. So lately he's popped a lot of 10- and 15-yard runs, and Texas I think is going to need him to do that on Saturday. You may also see a guy named Jax
0: Welsh. He was in there for a little bit of protection coverages uh, last weekend against West Virginia. Maybe he'll get a couple of runs as well. So obviously, and uh, you can get some other guys in there as well. I'm sure there are guys that can potentially run the football. I think I this think. is,
1: well, I don't know. I think this is, I think this is, My sense is this is going to be the Tayshaun Henry show on Saturday. Could be. Could be. Well, Well, it could
0: also be the Jed Duffy show. He does run the football too. So you got that going for you. But um, I guess just uh, the elephant in the room in terms of the injuries, uh,
1: Alan Bowman. Alan Bowman, of course. (laughs) Alan Bowman, Maverick, McIver on Monday. Matt Wells said that the decision has been made to redshirt both of those guys. Now, Mm -hmm. there's really no decision to be made on Maverick, McIver. because He could – he can play the rest of the season and maintain his red shirt since yeah. he hasn't played yet. You can play in up to four games. Mm-hmm. Alan Bowman still has one game left to play. Now, and, he does. And, and I didn't mention it, but both of those guys are cleared medically. Yes and so they're supposed to be back in the full practice full practice, full availability, fully cleared to lift in the weight mm-hmm. room, all those sorts of things. Now it's just how quickly uh, you can get them back up to speed, and mm-hmm. where do they fit. And so, uh, I guess let's go to, and they'll kind of sure lead us into a question. Mark Morgan at Mark underscore Raider 1989. And a lot of people have asked a version of this question. Mark yeah. asked, uh, will Alan Bowman transfer? And Michael Denton at Texas Tech 1980 says, I got five on, he transfers at the end of the season. He knows who is coming in at quarterback. I got it. Yeah. Uh, Cancer Mark's question, will Allen transfer? I don't think so, and here's why. Because I think once he gets healthy again, which I guess he is now, Mm -hmm. um, I think he has will have every but as good a chance to be the starting quarterback again next year as he has the last two years. And I think probably I think he still has a little edge on on anybody else that you can name, including Chet Duffy. And I know people have been – optimistic about Jet mm-hmm. and to his credit, he has obviously greatly curbed his tendency to uh throw the foot or to to make, make bad, bad decisions. decisions. Make bad decisions. I mean two interceptions. To ten touchdowns. To ten touchdowns. It's pretty good. Now, here's a, it's a good ratio, but Carlos ten touchdowns is next to last in the Big Twelve among passers. Yeah. I mean yeah. tech quarterbacks are used to being ten you get ten touchdowns the first two weeks of the season against uh Against weak opponents, yeah, uh, ten touchdowns is a small number for a Texas Tech quarterback. I think it may be the smallest number in the air raid era for a Texas Tech quarterback, and so Tech still needs more from that position. And I think uh, going forward, Alan Bowman, in in my view, probably still has the still has the advantage in the competition. And I know. Folks have been excited about Maverick McIver, mm-hmm. but he still has to do it. Correct. Um, and Donovan Smith will be a true freshman next mm-hmm. year. Got a so, friendship in Woolworth. So I th- So I don't think there's any reason for Alan Bowman to transfer because I think if you look at it, I think if Alan looks at it, he'll say there's no reason I shouldn't be the starting quarterback. I mean, he was year. a
0: starting quarterback coming in up until he got hurt. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So, but there you go.
1: Um. Brett Logan asked if uh, Duffy was to struggle from the beginning this week, could we see Bowman, or just take gamble and put Maverick McIver in first? I'll, I'll let you think about it. I, I have an opinion on Feel this. Feel free. One. I tell you, I think that this is this is Jet Duffy's show until Jet Duffy gets hurt. Um. I think you. I think what you're going. What you will have happen, or to me, the logic. To me, the logical thing is, you don't play Alan Bowman until you have to play him. Yep. Because if Jet Duffy sprains an ankle, let's say Jet Duffy sprains an ankle this week, mm-hmm. and you let's let's say you win, and Jet Duffy sprains an ankle this week, and he's not good to go next week, you need Alan Bowman. Then you need Alan Bowman to use that one game mm-hmm. that he still has left to play. So I think if your tech. You need to preserve that one game that Alan Bowman has left, uh, in case you, in, in case Duffy gets hurt and you need to give and you need to sit him for a week. My thought on Maverick McIver is this: uh, I think Maverick McIver just missed too much time. I mean, you're talking about a guy, yes, he's a promising young quarterback, but he, he he practiced for two weeks in August. He broke his foot. And he's been out of commission for three weeks. He is just He's missed too much time to be viable uh, this season. And I know a lot of people have asked that question. Can we see Maverick McIver? Can we see Maverick, when can we see Maverick McIver? I, I really think that you, if you see Maverick McIver in the final month of the season, it's going to be basically a garbage time, one series, two series on a game. that's already decided just to get him a few reps. And throw in there also that on Monday, David Yo said that Jackson Tyner is still the number two quarterback because, again, Allen Bowman's coming off of uh, two months of inactivity. Mm-hmm. Madden and Kyler coming off of three months of inactivity. They're not going to be, you know, ready to, game ready even with a, even with uh, two or three days of practice this week. So I, th- I think this week it's going to be same same situation as you're seen. It's going to be Duffy number one, Jackson Tyner number two. And like I say, I, th- I think uh, – Maverick McIver, I don't expect to see him more than a series or two late in the game if he plays. And Alan Bowman, I think you have to save him as an insurance policy in case Jet Duffy suffers some injury here in the final month. You made all of my points there, done, and, 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 and then I'll, no,
0: you're fine. I mean, if anything, the only thing I would add was you did ask Matt Wells uh, specifically, do you feel like uh, Allen has a chance to potentially get himself back in the lineup? And Matt Wells kind of made your point. It's like, well, he hasn't really worked out that much. He hasn't really been able to kind of throw the ball. He's done a couple things when you look at it. Same thing with Maverick, but... Sometimes you just need those reps in practice, and, and you've mentioned it, Don. I mean, you have to be in those practices because you've only got a certain amount during the week, and if you're not in there, you're probably not going to be in preparation for the game because there is a game preparation practice where you're just working on what you're going to be doing for the game, and if you're not in it, unless you are a fifth-year starting quarterback that knows the offense pretty good, it's kind of tough to get yourself back acclimated into that, and, and I feel that's the – Basically, what you had said, but just a little bit shorter.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, you summarized it well. And here's another thought I'll add to that. I'm not sure folks may not realize that there's the practice time is fairly the, the number of days that they practice. Yeah, and practice and go hard is limited. It's not as many as you would think because on NCAA mandate says that the players have to be given a day off once mm-hmm. a week. So on Sunday, tech players are off. Uh, on Monday, it's a little light practice. Mm-hmm. Tuesday and Wednesday are your heavy prep days, yes. where you're installing the game plan and you're repping, repping, repping what you're going to do in the game. Thursday, when we're taping this on Thursday, Thursday is kind of a is kind of a light, is another light day. Mm-hmm. And then Friday, you're not doing much because you get the game the next day. Yep. And so it's really those game preparation practices are really concentrated on Tuesday and Wednesday.
0: And those would be very viable to Jed Duffy, who. I mean, you have to give credit where it's due. I mean, you have now seen at least a a small improvement, and that's just due to the fact that he's been able to get those game reps or just reps in practice. And we've kind of mentioned the fact that maybe he's been a little bit slow to get acclimated because, I mean, people forget he was away from the football team for a really long time, and he finally got back into it. Um, Obviously, again, I I will probably shout this from the Hill thinking that maybe – the offense has been tailored or simplified for Jet Duffy to where it's like if you see something and you like it, throw it. If not, run the football and just try and get 2 or 3 yards. And I think or that check is checkdowns through yeah,
1: a little passes to Pretty much the
0: or or Tejon Henry, yeah, checkdowns and I think that's really what it's been uh kind of simplified for Jet Duffy and again, there's a reason he's got 10 touchdowns, two interceptions because he has been able to manage the game. He has made some really good throws because Eric Azucan has made some good plays, TJ Vasher when he was Uh, obviously playing has made some big plays for him and the running game has worked well for them at times. And I think that's the the one thing that people have to remember that coach Matt Wells and his staff know what they have right now. They have an offense that if you turn the ball over, it could get really ugly because the defense obviously has been giving up plays later on in the game. But if you keep yourself at least with the fighting chance throughout where you're one or two scores away, you have a chance because you have an offense that if it does start to click, you can score five times in a row, which it's shown before. And, um, I mean, the one thing about Jet Duffy, and I'll kind of just add to what you had mentioned about Alan Bowman wanting to transfer, I don't think he will because the offense was a little bit more wide open with him when you did see him. I mean, he was throwing down the field a little bit more than Jet Duffy, and there's a reason. His accuracy is a lot better. His throwing uh, power is a little bit better, but the only one thing that you can, I guess, kind of say that he doesn't have is just the legs, and there's a reason because he is so accurate with his throws, he doesn't need to use his legs. So there you go.
1: Another question from Brett, who asked: With TCU having a good history coming back into Lubbock, if the rest Red Raiders were to trail early in the game, do you see Tech throwing a lot of screen passes, or does Yost give Duffy a chance and throw some twenty to thirty-yard passes? Ow. I think you'll see both. Here's the here's the thing: a lot, a lot of the uh, you know the script, when Tech used the script, when Tech went real heavy screen game that horizontal passing game with all those hitches and bubbles that they threw against Iowa State, that was really – a lot of it was dictated by the coverage that Iowa State Correct. was playing. Where they had those uh, – they were playing three deep, had that robber safety playing about mm-hmm. eight yards in the middle – right there in the middle of the field. Yeah, you don't want to throw in a four-people coverage. I mean, so – right, kind of well, re- re- really, really, they were seeing – they were throwing into cover it. Had four or five receivers being covered by eight yeah. players. So mm-hmm. – and you know what TCU gave uh, Patrick Mahomes a ton of trouble doing the same thing uh, in the game down there in Fort Worth in '16. It was a game of Tech one twenty four to seventeen in overtime, but it was like ten to ten yep. in the fourth quarter. And so uh, you, you could see some uh, a lot more screen game again on Saturday. I think a lot of it will depend on. TCU coverage, I mean, TCU has one of the best cornerbacks in the nation and yep. Jeff Gladney, mm-hmm. NFL prospect. They also have a young safety, Trevon uh, Mooring, mm-hmm. sophomore, has four interceptions. Second in the conference. Four games in which he has two pass breakups apiece. And, you know, it's that, it's that five de- – D. they run that 4-2-5 defense. Um, so it could be a situation where uh, that's a – Team a scheme where you're going to have to take what they give you, take your gains five and eight yards at a time, and the number of deep throws that that present themselves to you could be limited this week, I think. We'll see. But that's kind of my sense or my guess. I
0: think they'll just take what they give them, and that's what they've been doing. And for some reason, again, Don, I'm going to continue to say this, Sometimes you don't force things, and you're not going to like how the offense isn't, I guess, operating at a high level where you're getting those five to 600-plus yard games, but you are staying within games. You're not getting. You're not putting yourself out of reach, and I think that's the big thing that people have to take away is they're not taking these chances because they don't want to put themselves behind the eight ball early on.
1: I will say this, though. Let's remember, you know, touchdown pass that Jet Duffy – these touchdown passes that Jet Duffy has thrown to yep. – Dalton Rignan lately, 49-yarder right down the seam, right down the wide middle against open. Kansas. I mean, so wide was wide open. no one near him. 81-yarder <laughs> right down the middle against West Virginia. He was wide open. Yep. And I think there was some coverage bust there because I yep. think a guy underneath kind of turned him loose and nobody got mm-hmm. back and picked him up. But what, we, what that tells me is they're, they're willing to throw the football down yes. the field, but they want to see a specific look yep. where it makes sense to make that throw. Mm-hmm. And they've seen it a couple times, and they pounced on it. And, lately. and the other thing, too, is sometimes
0: Jed has missed those passes, too, early on. I mean, he's missed a couple with Dalton Rigdon, where Dalton Rigdon should have maybe
1: two or three more touchdowns. And missed one or two with McLean Mannix. Correct. As well. I think he missed a, a big one to Mannix right down the middle against Iowa State, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Yep. Uh, David Collier, you can follow him in, uh, at Collier on TV, watching weeknights. On, uh, got <laughs> Red 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 you him. got plenty of followers. You don't
0: need to follow him. he got plenty of followers. <laughs>
1: We'll help David out. Yeah. David asked David asked a good question. David said if you could replace the battle for the saddle with some other object, what would it be? And for folks who maybe do, need a refresher course, Tech that, and TCU please. used to play the battle for the saddle from 1961 to 1970. Then the saddle disappeared. It's in somebody's yeah. closet somewhere, but they don't know where. Yeah. And so uh, somebody had the good idea to, let's, re, let's revive this. Let's mm-hmm. make a new saddle and put it ago. on a stand. I think that thing looks great. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's and really I, cool. And I really like it. And so David... Um do I a don't cowboy wanna, hat. I don't want to replace the battle for the saddle with another object because I think they nailed this one. I think it's perfect. What it. better for uh you know Fort Worth is the city where the West begins. That's the slogan. And Texas Tech is out here in West Texas. So what better symbol than than a uh, nice leather saddle? Mm-hmm. I can't so I can't think of anything that I'd replace it with that I'd like better. The only thing I can do is cowboy hat just
0: because you can wear it. I always enjoy a uh a trophy where a player can wear something—that's always fun. Or heck, I mean, Monterey and Lubbock—I do it every year. Silver Spurs.
1: Well, and you like know, that. yep. And you know, this is—you know—it's big in the in the Big Ten. In the Big Ten, they have a lot of these games where yes, teams. Paul Bunyan, Paul yes. Bunyan's axe. Yes. Uh, Iowa and Minnesota are playing this weekend for mm-hmm. Floyd of Rosedale, the Pig Trophy. Yes. Trophy. Yes. So maybe uh, I don't the know. Egg maybe. Yeah, all yeah. those. So, so all maybe great. maybe maybe Tech could uh, engage a few more schools in uh, trophy games. I'll let I'll let I David uh, I'll let David uh, think about that, and I'll, I'll watch the sportscast. I'm and, pretty sure he'll mention it because
0: because <laughs> we always mention him and his followers. So.
1: Him him and hi he and Hayek can come up with some ideas. And, oh, I'm and, and, sure and they we'll, will, and we'll watch and listen to them. I'm sure, they will. Uh, okay, this is not, necess- this is not directly Texas Tech related, but Philo Beto asked, what's your reasoning as to, and this he's talking to me here, what's your reasoning as to why Texas A&M should leave the SEC and return to the Big 12?
0: That's all you. I don't care You don't about have this. a real opinion? I mean, here's a, here, here, okay. they should be because they're in Texas. That's all I'm going to say. Here,
1: here's, here's why, Philo. Two, here, a, at least a couple of reasons, I can think. One, uh... Texas A&M is doing a disservice to foot college football fans in Texas fans in general are in Texas by not playing its traditional rivals, yep. i.e. the University of Texas, yep. i.e. Texas Tech, yep. i.e. Baylor. Heck, TCU. TCU. Hey, heck, they're all in the Name Big 12. Name them all. all Name the them all. You have, as, you have as much tradition, you have more tradition with Oklahoma than you have with that phony, contrived Ooh, rivalry like with South Carolina. The Aggies are playing South Carolina on Saturday. They play South Carolina every year because that's their, no. quote, permanent rival yes. from the other side of the conference. No. What does Texas A&M people have in common with South Carolina people? Not much. Not as much as they have in common with Oklahoma people, for example, hey. and certainly not nothing that they have in not where, nowhere close to what they have with people from UT. Okay. You might not even like UT or Texas A&M if you're listening to this, but – the Longhorns and the Aggies should play each other every year. And, uh, and, uh, I'm
0: told it makes good money. I'm surprised no one's figured it out.
1: Yeah. You would and, think.
0: uh, there's a stadium that could probably hold enough people for that I'm, rivalry, too.
1: I'm trying to think of a, yeah, I'm trying to think of a verb here. Something,
0: something on, PG,
1: please. Something on the Aggies to, for for their school leadership making, acting like a, Eighteen-year-old and saying we're going to take our toys and go to go to another conference. Pompous. Now, here's another. So here, here's another. That's one reason. The other reason is the Aggies are in the SEC West, which is the toughest division in college football, yeah. and they're the fourth best program there, behind LSU, Alabama, and uh, Auburn. Yeah. And you can't even assume every year that you're going to finish fourth because Mississippi State has its years, and Ole Miss mm-hmm. has had its years. And so, Aggies this week are six and three, and they are staring. In all likelihood, they're going to finish 7-5 and five because they still have to play at LSU, if I remember correctly, and they have to play at Georgia. They're going to be underdogs in both of those games. Now, yeah. I happen to think the Aggies are one of the 20 best programs in the country right now. I have yeah. them ranked higher than anyone else in the Associated Press top 25. I have them at 18. But you know what? You're still going to finish 7-5. and five. And you know what? If you're in the Big 12, you could – you could realistically be contend- – A&M could realistically be contending for the Big 12 championship right now. Although
0: there would be 11 teams if they did join. I mean – You would need another one. Yeah. I mean, but, just throwing that out I there. I
1: mean, l- let's look at it. Baylor is 9-0 and undefeated right now sitting on top of the conference. Yeah. If Baylor and Texas A&M play each other this weekend, who are you picking? Baylor and what Texas a is A&M? the spread? Yep. What oh, is the spread? I, I, I would bet you – Texas A&;M if it plays Baylor would be favored. Oh yeah and Baylor's, un- I would defeated. say about seven and a half. I don't think it'd be quite that big. I think it'd be a little less than a touchdown, but now, I think the Aggies should be favored. Now that
0: is dependent on if it's in Waco or in College Station or at a neutral site, but yeah. I would say seven and a half.
1: I think it'd be a little less than that, but I yeah. think we we agree. I both think we both think the Aggie's will be favored. So yeah. Texas AM folks, Philo, are you happy being are you gonna be happy being a seven and five this year? Or wouldn't you rather be in the Big Twelve where you could be uh, contending for the conference championship? Even if you don't win it. I mean, in the Big Twelve, you're more likely to be nine and three, ten and two. At least, SEC are going to finish seven and five. Here's the other. Here's the counter argument from the Aggies. Well, we make all this money and have all this visibility in the SEC. Okay, the um, SEC revenue distribution most recently is forty three point seven million dollars for school per school. Big twelve revenue revenue distribution this year was thirty eight point eight million dollars per school. So less schools. Um,
0: Let's just throw that out there though. Yeah, yeah. fewer
1: schools, yeah. but still you get a bigger slice of Texas Tech gets a bigger slice of the pie. Yeah. Tech gets thirty eight point eight million, A and M gets forty three point seven million. So does that extra I would ask Texas A and M people, does that extra four point nine million make seven and five, which is what you're gonna be at the end of the season, feel any better?
0: They're using a lot of that to pay their coach too.
1: Yeah. It's a, lot. Then, it's a lot of money for And let's do wins. that calculation. let's do that calculation at the end of the season yeah. on the amount of money paid per victory to Jimbo Fisher this yeah. year. It's a lot of money. All right, we'll leave that there. Uh let me see. I think we are you want the uh let's let's go serious basketball question before no, we go Lord. to uh before we go to fun uh comic a lot relief to relief questions. Little. So I've I talked too much. This is going to be all Carlos' time now. <laughs> oh, God. Spencer Ritchie, you can follow him at, on Twitter at M. Richie asked, at this early stage in the season, does Texas Tech men's basketball team look worse, the same, or better than last year's team at the same stage? You've seen them, of course, every dribble, every shot this season, Carlos. For the most part. Watched them last night in Midland. He did. You take that one. How do they look compared to this time last year? I mean, here's the thing.
0: I can use the cop-out. They were 3-0 and at this point last year. So, I mean, they kind of look the same. But every team is different. I hate using that cliche, but they really are. Last year, you had a pretty good team that had a bunch of returners and Keenan Evans and kind of all those guys that you kind of see. And – or not Keenan Evans, pardon me, Jared Culver. Uh, and then you kind of add some of the – Some of the pieces you had from last year, Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens, you knew once those guys got going, you would have something special, and it took a little bit of time, maybe the beginning of the Big 12 season, before two guys, again, I'm emphasizing two guys, Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens kind of stepped up their games, and then you saw what they did. This year, you've got 10 newcomers, seven of them freshmen, two of them being redshirt freshmen, that being Kevin McCuller and Andre Savrasov that sat out. They came during the midyear year Kind of one of those weird deals where a a football player can do that to where you kind of get in the weight room, kind of do all that stuff. Kevin McCuller, Andre Saversov did that. So they've played a little bit of minutes. Kevin McCuller's looked up and down. Everyone's looked up and down except for some guy named Jemais Ramsey. Jemais
1: Ramsey's shown ups and more ups.
0: Yes, and he's going to continue to go up. He was a four-star when they did sign him. He got moved up to a five-star. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about some of the prospects. they got Micah Peavy, Namari Burnett, who's the first consensus five-star that Texas Tech has ever signed, and then uh, Chibuzo Agbo uh, as well. That kind of rounds out their 2020 class, which is super athletic and guys in the mold of what Beard likes in terms of his coaching staff. Positionless players, again, you're going to hear that word so many times just because it's kind of now the hot word is – Can you find a guy that is from 6'5 to 6'8, can play 1 through 5 if you need him? He can kind of use his back to the basket when he does get there, can defend all the positions. That's basically what Namari Burnett, Jabuzu Agbo, and Micah Peavy can do. Micah Peavy, a teammate of Jamias Ramsey at Duncanville, where they both won a championship in Class 6A last season. So a little bit of familiarity there. Same thing with um, some of the other guys as well, but... Um,
1: in terms of the question to but let me Let me ask one here sure. real quick. Uh, one one of the things I hear from people is this team is more athletic than what Texas Tech has had the last year or two. I, yes. I, I, I hear that and I think, how can you be more athletic than what Zaire Smith was two years ago, and how can you be more athletic than Tariq Owens was last year where he's jumping out in the corner and swatting shots into the stands? Is that, uh, is that accurate or, or are there – is there an individual on this team who is as athletic as Zaire or or Tariq, or is it more of You've got uh, multiple just kind guys?
0: Of that, that 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 is the the difference is you have multiple guys that are as yeah. athletic. I mean, when I remember when I first started covering the team with Tubby Smith, and uh, you you kind of saw some guys that couldn't dunk at all, like they were guys that could get high, get to the rim, can lay the ball up. Every guy on that team can now dunk, and not only that, but they could be in a dunk contest. That is how you can tell that they are super athletic. Tyreek Smith, even though he's hurt right now, could be in the mold of Tariq Owens. He's got long wingspan, can jump out of the roof, can block shots, but right now you don't have him right now. you a got another guy, 7-footer, Russell Chiwa. Uh, runs about as fast as any of the guys like a Jamias Ramsey or something like that when you watch him play, and he's at seven feet when he actually... And he's not
1: a skinny seven foot. He's not skinny. He is not.
0: He is not. So the the thing with him is they're trying to get his back to the basket game a little bit better. Um, His hook shot is starting to drop now, which if he can get a hook shot, that could be an unguardable shot for him just because of his size and his wingspan because he has the ball and the release is so high. So that could be something fun to watch. But the one thing that will absolutely tell you how athletic they are, watch how quickly they go from rebound to the other side of the court. That is something you have not seen here, and that's something that Chris Beard has emphasized with his guys. They have so much athleticism, or I should say speed, quickness, and wingspan that a quick deflection, if any of their guards are able to get the ball, they're able to push it up compared to where, I guess if you want to use this comparison old-school manner, you have your post get the ball, wait for a couple seconds before your guard gets it, and then you start your fast break. Whereas now, if Chris Clark, Jamias Ramsey, Terrence Shannon, Kyler Edwards, Davide Moretti, if he gets in there, can start your break, it's a little bit quicker. You have one or two seconds that maybe you're not waiting. You can push the ball up because all those guys have good vision. All those guys can get to about midcourt with about, I would say, three steps and you are up and at them because all those guys can shoot from the three-point line, maybe not as accurate as you'd like, but they can all shoot from the three-point line, so that spreads out your defense, and that allows for lanes, which is the whole reason that you saw Jamias Ramsey, Terrence Shannon get those highlight reel dunks because they are in transition or they're just so quick off the ball. And I think that's where I would say this team is maybe a little more athletic than last year, but... Um, in terms of experience, they're lacking in that, and I think that's what you're going to see through these first, I believe it's five games before they play. What I would deem as a opponent that you can kind of have a litmus test of, of what you have. Um, the one thing that they did learn from last night, 9-0, uh, down nine zero uh, they responded. Again, it is a Houston Baptist team that was 0-2 going into it, lost to Tulsa and uh, Oral Roberts, I believe, going into that game. If you're down 9 in a Big 12 game, that could turn a lot uglier than probably that game will. And I think that's one thing that Chris Beard and his coaching staff will emphasize to that team because there have been multiple times where Chris Beard has told his team, even last year and the previous years, if we're getting down in runs like that, you have to make your own run in the Big 12 because if not, you're going to get down and you're not going to be able to get out of it. And that's happened at Kansas. That's happened at Iowa State. I'm trying to think. Kansas State where you shot terrible, um, that was one. Um, But in terms of answering the question, long story short, uh, is this
1: year's this year's team at this point uh, worse, the same, or better? I would say they're. Guys, at this time last year,
0: I would say they're the same. Only because you are still trying to get better. You're trying to assimilate a bunch of new faces, minus Davide Moretti and Kyler Edwards, who are now in the starting lineup compared to Kyler Edwards coming off the bench. Davide is a little bit uh, used to coming out in the starting lineup, but now he's in a different role where he's handling the ball. He's trying to set up his teammates for. Uh, some shots or trying to find a way to create his own so he can be his own weapon. But the one thing that you do have that maybe you didn't have going into maybe late last year slash two years ago was the athletic ability of Jared Culver and Zyre Smith. And that is where Terrence Shannon and Jemias Ramsey can beat you off the ball and they can either get to the rim, draw a foul, make the shot. And then once they get that free throw going, that's going to make them a little bit more, um, uh, deadly because then you're not going to obviously give them all that space to get to the basket but I I think right now the one thing you can look at and you can kind of say with confidence Jamias Ramsey is as good as advertised T.J. Holyfield is uh, certainly found his role in terms of being a under the basket type scorer he can also shoot from the outside so he's going to spread out a lot of teams that have a a a typical big if you will or maybe he'll have a matchup problem because they're going to try and put a six eight six seven guy on him and they're not going to be able to handle handle him because of his dribbling ability. And Chris Clark is becoming a guy that for those that like watching a guy that can really have good court vision or know where someone's gonna know know where someone's gonna cut and he can get a, a bunch of assists, I think he's gonna be someone that's gonna be fun to watch. He had nine assists against Houston Baptist. Probably could have had a little bit more if he was playing a little bit more down the stretch. But obviously when you're up hundred or the finals one oh three seventy four, you're just trying to obviously get guys some playing time. And then the last uh, point where you kind of mentioned, well, uh, how do you know this team is more athletic? You don't have those guys at the end of the bench where you're like, oh, well, this is kind of where everyone cheers. They don't have those guys, Don. (laughs) They're guys that reload and play just as well as the starters. So
1: (laughs) So no guys just sitting down there waving towels. Okay. Yes. Uh, Let's see. A couple of quick comic relief questions. I'll I'll handle one. I'll – Brett asked, uh, "What's or, What's harder to learn when playing hockey—how to skate or how to control the puck?" I don't—I pl- haven't played hockey. Big fan of the sport, but I gotta think it would be how to skate. Skating is pretty tough.
0: Um, I didn't really handle the puck because I was a goalie when I tried to play hockey. You played some hockey? Uh, I mean, street. Ice hockey. Or roller street S- hockey. Okay, okay. street hockey slash roller hockey. Um, we, we we don't have much ice in El Paso done.
1: <laughs> you know you got an you got an arena. We, like we, we nice do the El Paso in.
0: Rhinos play there. Uh, back in the day, the El Paso Buzzards for those that kind of remember that.
1: I remember the El Paso yeah. Buzzards I came here Buzzards. to the Coliseum and played the Cotton Kings.
0: Yeah, so but then at that point, I probably wasn't able to play hockey that too well. But yeah, I did play roller hockey, and I think it's a lot more difficult to figure out how to put a blade of blade of steel on ice and keep yourself up and not only that but i think uh the, the more underrated part is how to stop because once you get going you can go fast but when <laughs> but, but what do you do when you stop i've seen a lot of people hit their face on on the old boards when they try to do that
1: okay cameron brock our old friend cameron brock you can follow him at cam brock hcs and he's a good follow by the way okay says uh outside of any establishment that sells tacos which closed lubbock restaurant would you bring back Ooh. Now, you haven't been here very long, Carlos. Yeah, i but I there maybe, a couple. I, I think, think Cam, might have, Cam might have asked this because I went to uh, Durango's the other night. I pulled up, and Durango's clo- dark and a closed sign on the door. And you I, were not happy about that. I was not happy. So yes. I've now had my 30-plus years in Lubbock. Probably my three all-time favorite Tex-Mex restaurants have closed. I've patronized a ton. I was a loyal fan of El Papagayo at 34th and Slide. They've long gone away. I, I loved uh, La Cumbre and Cactus Alley. They've gone away, and now Durango's at 50th and Frankfurt closed uh, the other night. So I'm, uh, I'm shedding tears. Um, Ruby Tequila's is one I used to like. That's where the yeah. coaches' shows used to
0: be. In. They had really cheap margaritas on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of sad about that one. Did you remember, I, I remember we had talked about that. I don't know if it was you or I was talking with Sarah, our uh, business reporter. Do you remember Rib Crib?
1: Mhm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. That that one's closed. I don't know if you're sad about Can, that
1: now, one. Now, Cameron asked though, any outside of any establishment that sells tacos. So I didn't really answer his question. So I would say. Uh, so Lone Wolf is out of the question for I, I, those that are I asking. Tell <laughs> you, and they haven't closed, but I don't think they have the sit-down restaurant anymore. Danny's Fins and Hens still does catering. My goodness, I love some Danny's Fins and Hens. And for for at different points, Danny's has had sit-down restaurants. Used to have one over on 34th and Slide and. That was some awesome steak fingers and mashed potatoes and green beans and rolls. And oh my, you know, it's fantastic. Yeah. They, they used to cater, many years ago, they used mm-hmm. to cater the breast box meal at General Stadium for Texas Tech football games. And you would, uh, I think I'd purposely um, get there early. I was going to say, I think I would purposely fast for about 24 hours. <laughs> That's Starve myself so I could more. stuff all the Danny's fins and hens That's that I could. Funny. So, so that'd be my answer. Danny's. Bring back a sit-down restaurant.
0: Uh, this is more of, obviously, recency bias. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but is it the 50-yard?
1: 50 50-yard 50 line. 50-yard yeah.
0: line, and it's Club only because, one, I've,
1: yeah, I've never been there, but I heard their muffins were really good.
0: Oh, or, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Blueberry, so, muffins. Blueberry muffins uh, at 50-yard line were beloved by sports writers yeah. from all over, from yeah. all over the Southwest Conference region and the Big 12 region. And you're
0: unfortunately talking to a dumb one that even though I knew it was closing, I still didn't go to try one. So. Yeah. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, so, happens. Carlos is working on a tight time frame today. This is the uh, – that's all the questions I have on our printout sheet. Anything uh, else we need to add, Carlos?
0: Well, we have the uh, stump the Don question of the day because it did stump me. So, have fun to go 0-6 uh, now. Tech is scoring 31 points per game. TCU is giving up 29 per game. How many times has Tech scored 31 or more points in a win over TCU under Gary Patterson?
1: How many times has Tech scored thirty-one or more points in a win over TCU under Gary Patterson? Well, yes. they scored fifty-two a couple of years ago, and that wasn't enough yep. to win. Yeah. Um, I got it wrong. Not that it makes
0: you feel any better. I'll say one.
1: I don't. I don't know. You were
0: closer than I was. I said five. It's twice. Two thousand and four and twenty twelve.
1: Oh yeah, the 2004 game was a 70 to
0: 35, and the last time that 2012,
1: 2012 was 56
0: to 53, yep, 56 and then triple
1: overtime down in Fort Worth. Yep, yeah. and that
0: was the one. So that was that one.
1: So I guess Tech needs to score. Uh, <laughs> tech needs to bust 50 this week. Going by that pattern. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as high scoring a game though. I agree. I mean, I think there's
0: going to be a lot of running. I think it's going to milk the clock a little bit, but uh, yeah again uh let's see i don't think i've got any uh let me see here um eh, only because only because we like nunya because you always uh mention him at at mi emory yeah mi Embry. does texas tech see any difference in the type of football player being recruited by wells than you did under kingsbury
1: well i think we uh the obvious one, and, of course, we've talked about this forever, or for the last 10 months, is just trying to get those big body tight ends, trying to find those 6'5", 250-pound guys that can that can run 4'8", and run down the seam. I think, uh, you know, you might see guys guys like that are guys that I think historically at Texas Tech, Mike Leach would recruit guys like that and then move, try to make a big mobile offense, pass-protecting offensive tackles out of them. I think David Yost wants to recruit guys like that and make them big mobile uh, pass catchers and add that dimension to the offense. That's the that's the most obvious one. And then I think uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. Just offensive linemen who are a little more two dimensional. Yeah, tight ends. You know the the air raid during the air raid era. Take one guy so you pass protect, pass protect, pass protect, and very clearly now they want to. They're really committed to running the football, so you want guys who can, who are good at both, who can, uh, who can pass protect, but who can also be down in a three point stance and drive defensive tackles and defensive ends off the football. So I think you'll see that uh, a little subtle shift in the. Recruiting of offensive linemen. Whereas, you know, Michael Leach here, back to the Michael Leach here, I take like the offensive linemen who are, you know, 6'6 Toby Cecil at center, 6'7 Daniel Loper at offensive tackle, 6'7 Rylan Reed at offensive tackle. Maybe you see a little bit less of that and more, some more 6'4, 310 pound guys that you can move into offensive guard and who can, you know, 6'4, 320 guys who can uh, get leverage and move the line of scrimmage.
0: Well, that should be it that's the latest one I saw on the
1: Twitters and they'll be wanting to of course, this is not really a change, but obviously they will want to and need to recruit pass rushers, yeah, so does everybody yeah all righty, I guess i will put a wrap on it wrap on it for us for this week, as always. We appreciate everybody listening out there, and we appreciate those of you participating by giving us stuff to talk about, questions and discussion topics. Uh, You can do it each week uh, at our Twitter handles. I'm at AJ underscore Don Williams. Carlos is at CM Silva Jr. So for Carlos, I'm Don. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.